right. Pretty exciting. Welcome to the Jax Falcone AMA, aka Dino Game Theory from the Undroppables. Very, very happy to be here. Hopefully all my hopefully all my boys are paying attention. So um, you know, for those of you who who know and follow me, obviously we do a lot of work with the fantasy football uh, you know, uh, space on Twitter. Um, we have the Undroppables, which is at cantcutlist.com. Uh, uh, that's where our articles, rankings, and lots more to come uh, it, it is is posted. We've got um, a ton of guys. We've got about, I think we're up to 17 uh, members and contributors at this particular point, and we're bringing more people on. We've got a number of guys be, you know, promoted and 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 get an opportunity at some of the bigger sites. So, you know, we're we've even lost some some great talent. So, we're really proud of what we're putting together and 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 what we're doing right now. So, without further ado, I'll, I'll kind of get to some of y'all questions and uh, and go from there. So, let's start. Uh, well, we'll start with you know, Ghost Dog himself. Uh, you know, when dealing with startup drafts, so space. Space Ghost Force OG says, when dealing with startup draft, uh, dynasty drafts, what's one crucial mistake that everyone needs to avoid making? And how's the FSF, FBX draft going? Scott Fishbowl. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on here. It's pretty cool, uh, you know, uh, just sitting here sort of talking to nobody, and and uh, but talking to everybody is a lot of fun. Um, but uh, the Scott Fish Bowl, first of all, it can't go bad because even if you even if you lose or even if you mess up, that's all for a good cause. And uh, you know, but honestly, there's a lot of pride on the line. You know, when when you start to give advice and you're the type of person that you know supposedly people are supposed to be listening to, you want to make sure you you uh, you do a good job and and uh, put put something out there that people can say, all right, this guy does know what he's talking about. So you try not to try not to make any mistakes. Uh, it's going pretty good. I started uh, at the 1.07. I drafted uh, Camara, fell to me, which I thought was great because for me he was a top six player, and kind of wasn't sure what the hell I was going to do if one of those top six had not fallen to me. So Camara falling, I uh, was really excited. Second pick uh, again, I felt very very lucky as Miles Sanders fell to me. In a lot of drafts, he was going around that one-two turn. So for him to get all the way to 2.06 was great. So in this format also, you know, running backs are at a premium. They go quick and they're very valuable and you can't trade for them because there's no trading. <clears throat> so going, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders start was great. Uh, 3.07 went ahead and, and wrapped it up with uh, Chris Godwin, uh, you know, of course, those of you who do know me know that that's my OG. I've been I've been singing about Godwin for years. Now, of course, he's overpriced, so you're free to sell him, guys. But you know, might as well just hang on. Uh, so Godwin, and then actually coming back around the other way, I was going to be looking for another third running back because you really need him. But a lot of them kind of flew off the board just in front of me, and I went ahead and and took in a tight end premium format. I I grabbed Zach Ertz who, you know, is getting old, but, uh, you know, in a, in a 2020 setting, I think he's still going to be a monster. There's some uncertainty with Alshon, of course. There's uncertainty with Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, now with whatever the heck he did. I saw some blurb about him being a moron. 
um, and you know, and some rookies and and some some uns, unknowns. Uh, so really, it's the two tight ends that have any value there. So um, with, with those two guys, uh, you know, I, I feel like you know, Ertz should see you know upwards of 120 to 150 targets. Um, that's where I'm at right now. Ours is very slow. I'll be waiting for my 5.06 and or 5.07 and going from there. In terms of fantasy startup drafts, I'm sure that that's kind of my that's kind of my forte. That's why I'm on the team. That's that's what I bring to the table is really dynasty game theory, dynasty strategy. So, uh, and crucial mistake that everyone needs to avoid making not having a plan, I think is probably it, you know, because even I would maybe say don't draft old players, but that's not even really true because if your goal is to win at year one and you, you know, you got AJ green and you've got Julio Jones and you've got Marvin Jones and that's not all that bad. As long as you know what you're trying to do. Uh, Of course, I've got a totally different strategy than that, but um, you know, as long as you know, your plan, you're going to stick to it. Especially even in the Scott fishbowl, you know, a lot of times, um, know people ask me who do they pick who should I pick next it's like well I don't know what you're trying to do you know I if I know what you're trying to do hey I'm going to take quarterback late well then maybe it's a good idea to do this but you know you gotta have a little bit of a plan and kind of stick to it and, and let that whole team make sense at the end of it I think that's probably the biggest you know, uh, thing I would tell someone drafting a, a, a dynasty team is, is have a plan you know understand what you're trying to accomplish I've had drafts where I've basically only taken one running back or two running backs. And you, know, you can't win without running backs. But my plan was to get them the following year because I had a slew of first round picks based on that plan. So you know, while I wouldn't tell someone, oh, yeah, don't draft running backs, if it's in your plan, maybe that's OK, because that's what you're trying to do. So I think that's really it. Um, I'm going to go next to uh, to my man, Gurnels. Gurnels that frog going or whatever the hell it is. Gurnall's ass. I noticed you have AJ Brown as your wide receiver five and DJ Moore as your wide receiver three. This person I'm very high on both, but do you think AJ Brown will have a massive rise? Tannehill aggresses. Be a Titans fan. I know his star potential. I'm just unsure how Tannehill will affect his rise. Also DJ Moore high end wide receiver two or one. I love DJ Moore as a wide receiver, but I keep seeing him being taken around three to five due to his messed up ADP. Look, I, I think, you know, I always say, you know, I don't, I don't get paid to tell you the, the history. I get paid to tell you the future. And, you know, with AJ Brown, you know, everything from, from his college profile, his age adjusted dominance, uh, his body, his athleticism, uh, his attitude, uh, all the scouting, performance and dominance in year one he's a stud he's you know the only thing that will stop aj brown isn't isn't even ryan Tannehill. it's going to be aj brown you know he's going to be successful in this league unless he gets hurt uh unless something happens to him where his attitude changes his work ethic changes which i just don't see happening he's an absolute stud um and i actually he's you know a better wide receiver than dj moore maybe the situation and one year less in the NFL is the reason for the difference. But DJ Moore came out, same type of thing. He came out as a as a really a top level prospect, a little bit under the radar um, until late. Um, 
know, there was only a few people sort of pimping him. And then all of a sudden, when you heard NFL.com start to jump on the DJ Moore bandwagon, that's when you knew, okay, something's, something's coming. And of course, he was a first round wide receiver taken off the board. And at that point, once the NFL loved him, you know, I was all in too. The thing that has actually, the only thing that's really scared me with DJ Moore is been, has been the touchdowns. And when you play for a bad team, sometimes you don't score touchdowns, right? You know, nobody does. Um, that was probably the biggest thing there was, you know, um, just wasn't scoring touchdowns. He hasn't scored touchdowns. You know, if you put him in any list of under 23-year-old guys who have done what he's done, that's it, the list is amazing. But if you look at those touchdowns, he falls way behind those guys. So we, we would like to see that 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 sort of regression start to creep back up to a, a sort of a normal number. So I'd love to see him score seven, eight, nine touchdowns this year. That would be that would be great. He doesn't need to score 15. You know, he's going to be a high volume guy, a, a great yak guy. He's going to give you everything you want. Um, hopefully just get in that end zone. Um, let's let's move down here. Let's see who else is here. Um. Boy, please um, ask. I love this question. So I put out a, uh, a buy sell, did it kind of off the cuff. I just kind of went through ADP and picked a bunch of guys that I thought were values at ADP. And Dom asks, Dom FFL says, can you please explain Traquan Smith as a buy? Other than just the fact that he's free on every league's waivers. I've been a buy on him for the past couple of years, but he's had the opportunity and not done anything with it. Somewhat true. Sometimes you'd see him out there for a, kind of a heavy snap share, you know, no targets, nothing. And I don't know if he's been a little bit of a decoy in the first year or two. Uh, when he has been targeted, he's been super efficient and productive. As a matter of fact, he's been a big play guy, a touchdown scorer. His age-adjusted dominance in, in, in college was, was you know, a, a, an 80th percentile. His uh, – his body is perfect. You know, he's got a great NFL body. Um, his athleticism was was great. And his NFL efficiency has been superb. Uh, opportunity has been there without production, which scares me to death. But that's why he's free. So at the end of the day, if all these other things are the reason that he's going to be good and the opportunity and effectiveness and, and target share has just been sort of, hey, he's a young player on a veteran team opposite of Michael Thomas and live with that. Also the role that he kind of plays has been that Ted Ginn role and Ted Ginn, the Frank Gore of, uh, of the wide receiver landscape has just not moved out of his way. Imagine if instead of Frank Gore, it had been Deshaun Jackson, was maybe he'd have had an opportunity to, to get in there and make something happen. So I thought that was kind of the, the, the thing that held him back and, so obviously, you got to be prepared for Traquan Smith, the buy, to not work. You just have to buy him for nothing and put him on your roster somehow. Move down. Tater, Nanner, 23. Tater, Nanner, 23. Um, why is Kenyon Drake a sell, and what would you expect in return for him? Uh, why is Jarvis Landry a buy? Look, at the end of the day, so the why uh, – on Drake is a sell and why Jarvis Landry is a buy. Those are easier to answer. So I'll get to the other one, which is what would you expect in return for him? I'll tell you right now, I never answer this question on Twitter or anywhere for that matter. And the reason is I have no idea. 
I have no idea what your league looks like. I mean, the only real currency that you can look at is two things, ADP and draft picks. So if you're going to ask me if you can sell them for a first round 2021, for sure. If you're going to tell me you're going to sell Kenyon Drake for a 2021 second, I'd say no. So I guess that's his value. But I don't think that's really the trade you're going to make. But you're going to make a trade where you know, you're selling Kenyon Drake and who knows what else to maybe get yourself a more preferred, more stable running back asset. So uh, if I could sell Kenyon Drake and other things and some other stuff and somehow the other way uh, J.K. Dobbins comes my way, that – uh, what are those things? I don't know. What do you got on your team? What's the guy who's got Dobbins on his team? Maybe he's not interested in selling Dobbins. Move on. Go look for a guy who's getting a little nervous about JT or Akers or Sanders or Chubb. Um, so well, that's kind of what, what I would do. I mean, maybe you've got um, a slew of running backs and you know this this other guy doesn't and he's got Michael Thomas and you can somehow finagle a way to get you know a top level uh, wide receiver for Kenyon Drake. Who knows, right? You have to be creative in your own league to figure out what your re- expected return would be for him. That's, that's just part of the. That's just part of the skill, man. Got to make that shit happen. Um, why is he a sell? Don't know if he's good. Look, I've I've said openly and and out loud uh, wherever people have heard me that Kenyon Drake has legitimate RB one overall in 2020 upside. I mean, that offense is uh, runs at a high pace. They block, they run block well. They create a lot of open lanes. Uh, the running quarterback creates a lot of open lanes. You know, fast quarterback, Kenyon Drake can get to that second level quick. He can, he can have a lot of big plays. He can be a huge, huge player this year. So I say he's a sell. That doesn't mean that I don't think that there isn't any possibility of him being absolutely dope this year. Hang on to him. Why would I sell? Well, because he hasn't been the lead back ever. Oh, never. Well, maybe in Pop Warner or third grade, but he's never been the lead back, you know, in Alabama and everybody said, well, there's other guys in Alabama. Well, there's other guys in the NFL. Um, he's just never been the lead back. He's never been able to secure that. Um, Chase Edmonds looked pretty good last year. He's coming back. They drafted Eno Benjamin draft capital so he really still has that clear runway to targets and touches Kenyon Drake I'm just dubious so I'm very dubious and also by and large in general this takes me to the bigger point which is I'm always looking to sell running backs before they fall rather than after they've fallen so David Johnson was worth a lot at the beginning of last year he was the fifth overall pick in the Scott Fishbowl Oh, he was a sell last year, right? Uh, someone can say, well, obviously, but, you know, it was harder to see it then. Same thing with a guy like Kenyon Drake. You know, he could have a, a huge year, but you always want to sell running backs uh, towards the back of their their, um, their age apex, which, you know, believe it or not, Kenyon Drake's getting close to because he's been wasting away on a few teams already. Why is Jarvis Landry a buy? Well, because he's being treated like he's 30. He isn't. He's 27, 28 years old. His his uh, playing style will will give him the opportunity to be pretty damn productive, you know, like a like an Edelman and like a Fitzgerald. He's more of a a slot target monster who gets open with guile and technique, 
right? He's not overpowering you. He's not Randy Moss running down the field. And if you lose a step, it's all over. He is tactician and a technician. And um, he's probably going to, I mean, there's nothing behind him. There's nobody pushing him out of the way. Um, you know, I haven't looked at the contract, but I think he's kind of locked up there too. I, there's really no negativity, except I see the ADP is a little bit low. So get him, you know, just go get him. Oh, I love this. No money, mo problems. No money, mo problems. Ask me. You've got JT all the way up at five ahead of proven running backs with plenty of youth left, like Mixon, Chubb, and Jacobs. Could you speak a little on what jumps out to you about Taylor? This is my favorite question. <laughs> this is what do we got? Another forty-five minutes. This is going to be forty-five minutes of Jonathan Taylor. No, I'm totally joking. But um, look at. I, the way I look at running backs is I evaluate them coming out of college and the studs, in my opinion, you know, I'm seldom wrong about this, but I am right. Uh, the studs coming out of college are going to produce very early, sometimes as early as year one, certainly almost always year two. Um, so I want them. I just want them. I'm ready for them now. That mean that I'm going to have to pay that much to get them? Maybe not. Maybe I can get them in the second round of a dynasty startup. But if push comes to shove, I want him over Chubb and Jacobs. Mixon is closer for me, of course, as you see. And you no, know, he's just an absolute study. He's he's the fastest, biggest running back ever. You know, I mean, that's basically what he is, right? And, you know, the, the, the best speed score of all time, um, you know, and that's not the reason when that goes with what you see on film and what he put up in terms of statistics, right? So it's not one thing. I've gotten into this conversation on Twitter before. Fast, run, a fast person does not mean he's a great running back. A great running back who is also world-class, exceptional size, speed specimen more likely to be an elite NFL player. That's all. In other words, I love David Montgomery's skill set, just real slow. And if David Montgomery were the athlete that Jonathan Taylor is, he's probably actually a better back. I mean, he's pretty damn nifty. Taylor doesn't need to be nifty. He's just gone. So, you know, he'll learn some skill. Taylor will. Uh, he's also going to be running behind one of the best offensive lines. I also love the organization, right? At this point, from the top down, I believe that Jonathan Taylor will be utilized correctly because of smart coaching and a committed and unified front office. And his dominating skill set and his college production is off the charts. So everything points to him being great. If that makes him not a great player, Happy to miss on those guys. If I see another one like that come through college, he's going to vault up the boards as well. So it's process, and, and that, that's what leads you there. You just got to believe in it. K2. K2 asks, can I ask this? No, K2, you can't, so let's move to the next one. No, I'm just joking. Uh, is Mostert RB1, or do you think it will be him and Coleman all year? I don't mean to get too coach narrative based here, but you know, that's what happens, man. You look at the numbers and the numbers show that, you know, there's never been really a, an RB one 
in San Francisco under Shanahan and, and, and it's not like Mostert is, um, he's not Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins coming into the place going, Hey man, this is my job. He's an undrafted vagabond who's been on eight teams or some crazy thing. Now he's fast, he's slashy, but so is in Coleman fading Mostert at his, at his cost. I love a Mostert you can steal him late in a startup or, somehow get him thrown into a trade sure he's a great dart throw upside back let's face it he's on the best running attack well one of the best running attacks in the nfl so he's going to get opportunities to to score your fantasy points um, and he's explosive so i like him but i think it will be at, at cost i'm taking tevin coleman i can't believe i'm saying that because i haven't been taking tevin coleman for years but at cost absolutely uh next up Great names. I mean, you got a picture of Joker. His name is Frosty Helix. Damn. I gotta rethink my whole my whole name out there. Frosty Helix, Calvin Ridley. You predict him to be the third year breakout wide receiver or perennial wide re- wide receiver two status. Well, if Julio's not dead, he's perennial wide receiver two. That's simple. Let me know when Julio is either dead, retired, or traded. And we can talk about Calvin Ridley as anything other than a compliment the GOAT. Okay, moving along. I can't read this. Heart. It's only one spot, but still feels significant. I like this question. Why do you have Saquon over CMC? Honestly, it's a great, great question. I love this question. And a little bit is to be an asshole, right? You know, um, but it's because it's a question mark in my mind, you know. Um, actually, if you look at CMC and Barkley, they're they're closer in age than you might think. You know, they're only a few months apart. So the age thing isn't it. Um, it comes down to recency bias a little bit. And, you know, going into last year, if you all remember, Barkley was a clear 1.01 not only in dynasty, but in redraft. And so as we look at, you know, what Saquon is now, he's really only a guy who had a high ankle sprain last year. Everything else that we knew about him is still true. He's still the, the arguably the greatest college football running back prospect ever. Certainly one of the top five. JT in that top five as well, by the way. But, but just in terms of, pure prospect then he comes out and he does the things that we're like holy shit this guy's unbelievable i mean just throwing guys around jump cutting jumping over people fastest guy on the field best receiving running back i mean he's just unbelievable so he's still that guy and so if i'm at at the 1.01 in the one quarterback league and i've got to decide saquon or cmc i want to have that conversation with myself and if i'm in a league with other guy, I want to have that conversation before we auto pick CMC. I think it's a conversation. I think it's a worthy one. So, you know, if I were in a league with a guy who was strong CMC, we'd take CMC. I'd give in. I'd be fine with it. It's a loosely held 1.01, but I tell you, it's there enough. I, if it was me, I probably would just I would pull the trigger on, on on Saquon first. I think most of these guys, you know, what I wanted to do was have a little bit of a different voice on the undroppables because I feel that way. Um, I didn't want to just be, you know, with the herd on that one. So I appreciate that. I love that question because it's something that I gave some thought to. Um, Oh, wow. 
This is my favorite guy yet. So CEH hype train conductor. Let's see. I'm only going to do which one is better. I'm going to go right here. So CEH hype train conductor. Didn't ask me about CEH, which is disappointing because we could that'd be fun too. Could you talk to us about why you're high on Geis? I feel like I'm the only one in the Discord actively trying to get him in redraft. It, this one's again, it's very, it's binary, man. If what if I told you that Darius Geis will never suffer another knee injury as long as he plays football and he plays football for the next eight years? I take him in the first two rounds. He's awesome. He's never not been awesome. Never. He's never not been awesome. Never ever. In college, he was awesome. In high school, he was awesome. When he got to the pros, he his first run was like a 35-yard run where he threw someone down by the helmet. He's awesome. Various guys is undeniably awesome. That's why I'm so high on him. But, my goodness gracious, is he a scary guy to, to draft and to put your eggs in his basket? Absolutely. That The, the Washington team, the, everything else other than his skill set is scary. Injury, profile, eesh. And he can't, he can't not hurt his knee every five seconds. It feels like he's a knee injury. He's had like three kind of major knee injuries in the last two to three years. It's just, it's really, it's really scary. Washington as a team, scary. You know, a, a rookie quarterback, uh, the, the, the whole team, the ownership. I mean, they brought in Ron Rivera, who I actually think is going to steady the ship a little bit. He's, that's a good thing. But again, a coaching change. There's uh, 242 active running backs on that roster. You can check on that. I think that's I think it's 242. It's a high number, you know, but Gibson and Love and Adrian Peterson is the one I don't like because he's a legend and he's still somehow awesome. And he's kind of an alpha and he's kind of going to kind of swing his dick around and, and want to be the guy. Uh, like he did in in um, in New Orleans, and they just kind of said, you know what, we're good, peace out. But he was not hearing any bench talk at all, and that's a problem as well. So there's a lot of negatives about Geis's situation, but the reason I'm so high on him is because he is fucking awesome. Hope this is not a PG show. Uh, originally from Boston, like to swear a lot. Um, let's move along. Oh, Stephen A. Smith. Oh, shit. No, pardon me. It's Stephen L. Smith. Okay, so I'll still answer the question. Do you think Allen Robinson, yes, whatever you're going to ask, yes, could be a top 10 fantasy receiver because of his pretty easy strength of schedule? Look, I don't care. He's fantastic. He was top 10 last year with Trubisky and all sorts of dysfunction. Hopefully they, you know, they can be a little bit better. I think he can absolutely do that. I mean, well, I think he was third in targets. I'm just shooting from the hip here. I don't have anything prepared, as you guys can tell. Uh, but um, you know, Allen Robinson was, was just awesome. Uh, you can check my notes, wide receiver six, and third in targets is my stupid guess off the cuff. It's got to be pretty close. But, you know, I think he can he can push for, you know, number one in targets. There's still not much competition there. Draft the tight end. They don't really bring in a wide receiver. You know, uh, unless you Riley Ridley stands or, you know, feeling like they're just kind of, Riley Ridley will probably push Allen Robinson to the side. As no me, no that sarcasm. Um, so he's got nobody there. Uh, uh, Anthony Miller is going to be the 
you know, the Alvin Ridley to that, to that offense. And, Oh, Tariq Cohen will probably play some in the slot. Uh, I think Javon Wims is like their third receiver. It's ridiculous. So they've got some, they've got some issues. Um, so the second part of his question, uh, I will probably hit on Devontae Parker has the hardest strength of schedule. Should we avoid him and redraft? If his quarterback were Mitch Trubisky, yes, but it's not, it's the fucking magician. So he doesn't give a shit if he's covered or open, it's going going man right and if it gets picked off who cares we're gonna be down more we're gonna need to throw more it's still going to him so i think a little bit of the yolo factor of fitzpatrick makes me want Devonte parker obviously the other problem is tua you know Tua's great but i don't know how much he's gonna play and if he does how good he'll be we know what fitz magic is so um you know, he, he he points out the the cornerbacks he's gonna face and Sometimes year to year, those things change too. You know, a guy that we thought was good loses a step in the secondary and he's not as good. So I try not to go too hard on that, but I think at his price, he's still okay. He's still the last of the sort of elites or that sort of top tier. You know, he's kind of going after all those guys, you know, usually even after sometimes McLaurin and all those, all those guys. So yeah, he's usually going as a WR, late WR2 even early WR3, which I think that's great value for him. I wouldn't reach for him. Um, let's see. Let's go um, Go to oh, oh, Tigers. Spelled the right way. G-E-A-U-X, Tigers. What do you think Judy will do in the Broncos' offense? Do you think his playing time and ability to prove himself will be limited to Cortland Sutton? Um, I, I think they play different positions. You know, Judy's going to be a slot guy. Sutton is the alpha X. I mean, if you got to give John Elway credit about one thing, I mean, he does have the perfect configuration. You know, the, the alpha X and Cortland Sutton, the, the, the nifty, high, high-level slot receiver and Jerry Judy, and the stretch Z and K.J. Hamler. I think they also set themselves up nicely to play some 12 personnel with Albert O, who that's the guy everybody's sleeping on. I've got him in every dynasty league. Like he may, he may flame out. Of course he, uh, no guarantee, but at his cost, he's, he he's a must own. you got to, you got to own Albert O in, in dynasty. Um, but no, I think, I think Judy's going to play that role and I think he's going to step right in and play it. Uh, how many targets he'll see. I mean, how quickly he gets it, how much, Spelled by whoever the hell they've got that can hold a candle to Jerry Judy's talent. Um, I don't see it. You know, I think they're going to go in full force with what they've got. You know, they, they invested in it. I think it, I think it's exactly what they want to do. They're going to say, Drew Locke, here's your peeps. Make it happen. we got you Melvin Gordon. So yeah, they're, they're all in, I think. And I think rightfully so. I'll give you the second part of this question too. Do you think Justin Jefferson could be one of the, wide receivers in the NFL in the coming years. No, I don't. Um, I don't think he's that, but I do think he could be, you know, a target monster as well. Um, you know, I, I think things will change for Justin Jefferson you know, pretty quickly. Um, it could even change this year. You know, Thielen has been somewhat fragile. He's certainly old. So how long does Thielen hold on to that sort of alpha slot receiver spot. 
that's what he is. And, and that's really what Justin Jefferson wants to be. Now he can play outside. He can do all that stuff. But if you're a Justin Jefferson owner, you want him to be a slot alpha, a lot like um, uh, Jarvis Landry, but with, with athleticism who can hopefully take some yak. So yeah, he could be pretty good. Do I think he's a BJ level type receiver? That's just going to pop. Don't I've been wrong before. I was I think I was wrong about OBJ a little bit too. So, so it's possible, um, but I think it's a slimmer range of outcome than than even OBJ was. So, um, you know, I'll actually give you a take that I think is is pretty is pretty hot. So, someone uh, look LSU is so good. Uh, someone could be bad you know it could be justin jefferson could be jamar chase although probably not it could be ceh it could be bro it could be someone someone could just be not bad but not elite nfl and they're all basically being pegged as elite nfl justin jefferson first round pick ceh first round pick bro or overall pick Jamar chase the best thing ever next year 2021 1.01 like I don't know. Are they all that good? Or was one or two of them the product of how good the other one or two were? Which ones are the ones that are good? Which is kind of why I'm a slight fade on CEH. Um, I do love his skill set and his placement, but I don't know. Something stinks there. Something smells a little bit. CEH. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. I'm just saying how, you know, Certainly closer to James White than he is to CMC um, is all. That's it. That's it. Um, so he's somewhere in between there. He's a, he's probably going to be a pretty good little player, but just uh, you know, one point oh one rookie draft. Have him um, moving down. Man, this is a good one. I should be I should be answering this. I need to answer to this. Need to answer to this. Hey, man, Jay. M-A-N-1406 with the Tennessee Titans logo. Tennessee Titan fan, J-Man, 1406. How do you feel about Daniel Jones and Superflex Dynasty? Buying or selling? Well, I've been very, uh, with like the entire NFL draft, fantasy draft, fantasy dynasty community, uh, pretty low on uh, Daniel Jones, um, you know, sort of famously so. and. Um, he was a lot more, a lot better than I thought he'd be. He made a lot of terrible mistakes with the football. And you know, that's that slow processing of a rookie. You know, he just sort of held it, waiting for it to happen. And Rush gets there faster um, in the pros than it does at Duke, obviously. Hey, give him a chance. He might be able to learn it. Um, my general feeling about my second quarterback in dynasty this is a huge deal right so hear this out this is very this is dynasty game theory 101 super flex who are playing your second quarterback even your third quarterback because of buys and injuries so i tend to want a more secure option super flex as my second quarterback so in a one quarterback league where i may already have you know some sort of Stud somewhere, probably something, uh, some sort of top 10 player, even Matt Ryan. Let's just say I got Matt Ryan. Oh, now I love Daniel Jones because I don't need Daniel Jones. So if I'm taking a swing, give me the swing on the guy with the higher upside. 
I'd much rather Daniel Jones than find a safe floor, easy or a car, obviously, you know, that's a great example, but and not that I, you know, want maybe car over Daniel Jones and super flex because I don't, but closer, you know, because I know car will sort of just do the be good as Daniel Jones could be disaster it's possible so but he also has a much higher ceiling than david carr so and Derek carr actually david Derek, and django carr all that's the three d's they're uh, brothers they were twins held Derek back four years just to you know let him play at an older age in college you guys don't need to hear all this um Derek carr david carr david Derek carr daniel jones the dice baby um t money you want t money 21 is anthony mcfarlane the next guy up behind james connor if and when he gets the starting job what is his ceiling in that offense great question <clears throat> a lot will will tell uh as to whether or not they keep jalen samuels or not I, I i don't know what the hell they're doing over there but to me i think there's a two-headed back behind Connor. I think if Connor got hurt, it would be a Snell McFarland chair. And I want the McFarland touches more than the Snell touches. The Snells are going to be the David Montgomery 20 touches, the, the 20 carries for 62 yards up the middle between the 20s. And McFarland's going to have, you know, 10 catches and uh, 10 carries and five catches are all going to be more exciting and a higher propensity for gaining yards and scoring touchdowns. Farland is that slasher. At the very least, he's a you know sort of a Mostert, Tim Coleman type. Uh, hopefully, he can become a little bit more than that. Um, I don't think he has a clear path to alpha status. It's it's cloudy. Uh, the the Magic Eight Ball says it's cloudy. Um, so let's see who else haven't we hit on. Let's see if there's someone I haven't hit on. Oh, my man, Jemo, Jemo, the icon, is in the house right now. Oh my God, you guys don't know Jemo the icon. Follow and just get in his vortex. It's a good vortex to be in, man. Guy's got the best, uh, best thing going. So, who? Will the Bears starting quarterback be at the start of the season? Will he keep the job the rest of the way? And I've been I've been betting on this, you know, with with hedge. I've been betting on it by drafting Foles and Trubisky in Dynasty startups, figuring, hey, both free because nobody knows, nobody wants either guy. And so they come to you pretty cheap. And you know, if you have them both, I guess you you have a starting quarterback in the Superflex League. Early, but I think the the I think the Foles signing means that Trubisky is no longer the guy. I mean, what was the I don't have the quote in front of me, but something about you know when they asked Trubisky about the fifth year option, there he was kind of like, yeah, it's probably a good idea or something like that. Like this guy is beaten, man. He has just given up. So I don't think he's got what it takes to um, be that guy. I just don't. I just don't think. He is uh he's that guy. So you know, um I think though they might roll him out there in week one. So if I had to bet, I would bet 
Trubisky rolls out week one. And I would bet on that, and I would love it if he just fucking somehow held on to it. You know, and just all these holes nonsense. And I, I, who knows, man? I mean, it's just you know, they'll be searching for their uh, their starter uh, next offseason as well, if, uh, if you're asking me. So maybe they're in the line for Trevor Lawrence, you know. That team could be real bad. Um, you know, they I, I got a lot of hate, if you remember, Jemmo, uh, last year for calling them mediocre. And what was amazing is they ended up being mediocre would have been a nice word to, to say they were. So um, anyway, um, I got to go back to the uh, to the Space Ghost Force just because he's kind of kind of a. Uh, you know, the OG here asking me a dynasty question. Do you prefer stacking players on your roster or spreading your eggs around across many baskets? As long as those baskets are high scoring offenses or really talented players, I don't give a shit. Right. So, you know, of course you'd, I guess, rather have some diversity so that way you're not, you know, hamstrung. You don't want, you know, all guys on the same team, especially wide receivers. You know, I happen to, like um, all of the Dallas receivers in Dynasty, uh, which is a question I don't know if anybody asked, but I get asked every now and again about um, the the three Dallas receivers, and because uh, I'm kind of high on all three of them. People say, "How is that possible? How can you?" I said, "Well, first of all, um, no, definitely sunny side up." Real quick, just want to hit up on Ed, but um, you know. Um, Pretty simple with with um, with the with the uh, with like the Dallas team. Gallup is here this year, probably gone next year. Contract runs out. Amari saw I want to say 120 targets last year. Gallup saw about 115. Tight end saw 120, and Randall Cobb saw 83. So. If you just give them back their target, just give them back. Say, okay, Mari 120, Gallup 115, Cobb 83. Obviously, there's no way that you know, uh, Jarwin's getting 121, so maybe he gets half that. There's some targets still to go around in that offense, and I think they're going to play at that set. You know, 11 personnel, TD, Gallup, Mari, Jarwin, Zeke be a very popular um, lineup for them. And I think there's going to be a high snap share for all those players. I think they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to be playing a lot. I think they're going to be scoring a lot. It's going to be a great offense. And then next year, things change again. Maybe it's just Amari CD and someone else, you know, and Gallup goes somewhere else. And he's kind of the man. I think all three are really good. And I think they'll have enough seasons this year. One of them may have an outstanding season. You don't know who it is. One of them may have an outstanding week. That may be the frustrating part about owning them is you don't know who. But, like, in that case, I wouldn't want to stack. I've had the, the Drew Brees, Camara, Michael Thomas stack like that. No, oh, that's a stack I like. I've even had you know, the, the, the Mahomes-Kelsey-Hill stack. Nothing wrong with that. You get a little bit of Kelsey or Tyreek, but – usually enough for it doesn't matter one of them is going to go off so yeah, i think as long as you're stacking from you know prolific offenses stack them up baby 
a sunny side or scrambled. You make a damn good scrambled egg. My wife's in the other room. She come in here. She'll tell you, brother, a damn good scrambled egg. I got to go back to Go Tigers. <clears throat> go Tigers comes in and says, would you do DJ Chark, second round pick, CEH? This guy coming straight from LSU, wants me to talk about all sorts of LSU. And I feel like you could get more. How's that? You've piqued my interest. So if, if I own CEH, would I sell them for that? I probably would want to, but I probably wouldn't because I feel like I can get more. Right? So hope that answers your question. I think that's the right way to answer. So Go Tigers asks, would you do DJ Chark? That's second round pick for CEH. Value still on CEH because he's a top, you know, 15 to 20 startup pick right now for sure. And DJ Chark isn't. Uh, so a second doesn't make up that difference in cost, but uh, it certainly does, um, you know, make me want to go get them. Um, real quick, gotta give a shout out. So I want to give a couple shout outs and, and, and drop some questions. If you're, if you're following along, uh, AMA, I think they told me it stands for America made, no, uh, Ask me anything. That's what it's supposed to stand for. So don't ask me anything. I don't give a shit. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about is the uh, some of the guys and, and just kind of give some shout outs to some of my brothers who you know, who have given me an opportunity to kind of doing what I'm doing. Um one-on-one chalk. So chalk, if y'all know chalk, he's super smart, man. Uh, we he and I have been kind of coming up in this in this fantasy world and on Twitter and together for, you know, I don't know, the last three, four years, whatever it's been, a couple of years, more serious than the last, but um, we just, every time I would say something, he would say the same thing or whatever, we just like minds and talk is the sort of the brains behind undroppables and asked me to be here. And I, I can't say enough about thanking him to be part of this project. It's really exciting. The undroppables right now, you know, with so much going on, um, in terms of you guys got to check out, we're going to have a lot of podcasts coming along. I'll be having one very, very soon. Kind of put mine on a little bit of a hold just to kind of let everybody get used to hearing my, my, uh, my cohorts. Uh, BZ, Jake B song, BZ B. Um, what up? EZB, uh, Pauly Sleepers, Paul Lundegaard, um, FF Terminator, great dude, great Southern accent, takes his time, has some fucking higher takes. So those three guys get together and have an awesome, uh, you know, just an awesome vibe of a uh, of a podcast. I, I can't say enough about it. I love it. It's a little bit like nothing we've really heard too much before. It uh, moves quick which a lot of the three-man booths, they just drag on. It's a lot of nonsense and a lot of filler and a lot of bullshit stories that nobody wants to hear. These guys kind of get right to it, but yet they do inject some fun. So I think it's just a great listen. We also have a, a lot of knowledge, which I lean on with them. I'm sort of the – what I do what I do, but they kind of know, you know, they know the offensive coordinator from every team and, you know, the past, you know, the scheme and the this and that. And, and, and I love it because – 
being a former player and a former quarterback, I know what a scheme is. I just don't know every single team. Like you guys know every single team, what their play callers are looking to do. And it's, it's really helpful to help add context to what I know. And hopefully I do the same for them. So we're not all homogenous over there. There's really a different, um, you know, angle coming from each guy, which I like, you know, I, I, there's a few places that do good work by the way out there, but they're all very much the same. And it's also good because you know, you're getting a consistent, with us, we really kind of believe in one another. We do disagree with one another sometimes, but our, our rankings aren't the same. If you go down our, our our consensus rankings, they're not the same. So, yeah, we've got a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, Dan Brown or D Brown is another contributing member. Um, hopefully, I'm not forgetting anybody. Dave, the professor, Dave Marchand. I mean, he's got, he's just, he, he edits all the podcasts. He's just doing so much work with the website. And then we just have a bunch of contributors in. We'll tr- we'll tweet them out. I've, I don't want to miss anybody and just name a couple, but obviously my, my little bro and the guy that I'm I'm looking out for is you know uh, Master June Minchu Brofist. Y'all know him, man. Mark Mathic is just one of the greatest guys out there. He's doing amazing work. Um, you know he works across the the, the globe and up at all sorts of weird hours because you know it's probably normal over there. But for me, he's all always hitting me up at all sorts of weird times and. He's just working his ass off uh, with his job and doing everything he can to um, he, he, he donates his time to uh, a bunch of websites and, and dynasty outlets. So just a, a lot of great work we're doing. We're, we're bringing on some new people. We're bringing on some new ideas. We're, we're, we're uh, like I said, we've got our rankings up, which we proudly have as Superflex rankings. A lot of uh, ranking services for dynasty will always have them as uh Single quarterback, which is a little bit harder than where to put them in Superflex. If you have them as Superflex, it's way easier to just fade all the quarterbacks down and then the rankings, you know, play for themselves. So, um, yeah, we're really, um, you know, we're really happy about what we're bringing to the table. So hopefully all guys can pay attention to all that. Let's get back to it. Um, my main man, I thought it was, and it's actually lead. Fucking lead, man. L-E-D. I think he's even got it's a gun pointing my way. Uh, I'm going to answer all your questions, sir. Uh, do you think Tyrod makes it past week four? Oh, snap. Love that. <laughs> Dinobot getting it handled. Love that shit. Um, so, um, fuck, that's a great question. I haven't even thought of it. I think so, actually, because... I think they want to win over there. I think Justin Herbert is a project. Um, yeah, I do. I think um, I think Tyrod has the green light to give him the whole season. So unless they start going two and seven, you know, two and eight, then he's in trouble. But if, even if they're three and five, I think he's completely shit in the bed. I really think they're going to roll him out there. Oh, and four. Well, yeah, maybe that's a problem, but I think Tyrod is their their guy um, this year. You know, I think I don't obviously for not for the future they wouldn't have drafted Herbert, but I think they they look at Herbert as a red shirt and Tyrod. Hey, this is your season. Um, it's yours to lose. How's that? I think he might be good enough to to hang on to it. I don't know if they make the playoffs. I think they're actually going to be close. Their defense is good. Their offense, a skill position. I think they'll be a little sneaky. Um, you know, put them down. <laughs> down for jeff fisher seven and nine right um 
Uh, where's another good one I saw here? Hold on. All right, I'll, I'll answer. Space goes for us. I'll, I'll go to you again, baby. But uh, does does Kelsey or Kittle finish as the number one tight end, or do you like anybody else? I don't like anybody else. I think it's Kelsey or Kittle's to lose, especially I think it's Kelsey's until Debo got hurt. Maybe Kelsey, uh, Kittle gets a little bit more. I mean, Kittle's just such an all-around tight end. Kittle is the the 1.01 tight end for sure. But um, you know he's uh, you know he's he's not gonna have the opportunity to to run around as much as as Kelsey, who's just a monster. But you know five years older, obviously you got to take Kittle ahead of him in in, uh, in dynasty. But Kelsey's the 1.01 tight end and. Really, his to lose. I mean, he's he's the he's the goat. I mean, Gronk is the best tight end I've ever seen play, but he's not going to get enough opportunity on that team. They've continued to hold on to OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. I think that says all you need to know about maybe the usage of of Gronk. Now, if they trade OJ Howard, well, then I take it all back. <sighs> All right. Preferred, oh, I love this question. Base goes for Preferred scoring format size, bonuses or not. Do you do the IDP thing? Okay. First of all, I will tell you, this is a good question. I commission some, some uh, juicy uh, dynasty leagues. I take great pride in being a commissioner. I don't always like to be the commissioner, but when I am, I, I really want to do a great job and I want it to be a fucking dope league. I have strong held opinions on this. You know, a lot of what I do is what Scott Fish is doing this year. Six-point touchdown. Two-point interception. He's actually brought it up to four. I go six and three. Two for a lost fumble. I don't have a pick six, although I've toyed with it. I think I would add it. If I was doing a league right now, I'd have a – Another minus three for pick six. <clears throat> so it'd be minus three, minus three for pick six, six point passing touchdown. I've always had a plus point one and minus point one for completions. A guy, whoever, you know, if a guy, you know, goes 30 or 40, he's, you know, he's got points because he's got 20 more uh, completions than incompletions. That's a two points. I, I suppose you could play with those dials. He did his a little bit differently and creates a little bit of a negative number. I wouldn't prefer that in a, in a, in a standard fantasy league that I'm going to have for a long period of time, but I, I, I've had uh, incompletion completion uh, in there for a long time. Like I said, I've had it at point one, which is only about a point or two either way if you have a shitty or a great game. But that can always make the difference, and it does put a little emphasis on the more you know, efficient throwers. I have that in my leagues, and I love it. Um, I also do half PPR. PPR feels too heavy, and standard is like the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. So I definitely go half PPR. And then I like to go um, half a point or somewhere thereabouts. I've played with that number to a quarter point, half a point, somewhere in there, or uh, first down. so for first down, and then um, that's about it. Everything else is kind of normal from there. I do play a little IDP. I don't. I don't commission an IDP league. Um, uh, it's it's been kind of fun. IDP is just too much for me. 
not a, I'm not good at it yet. I, maybe I could be, but uh, I'm just not, uh, you know, maybe who knows? I'm favored to be third in a 32 team league. IDP fucking unbelievable. I don't know how I did that. I, uh, you know, so sometimes you just get lucky, but, uh, <laughs> Will you sign up in our Discord tourney? Are you over? I'm definitely overloaded already. Will you sign up in our Discord tourney, or are you overloaded? I'll give it a I'll give it a look, and uh, you know, so I I'll, I will consider it for sure. How's that? I will consider it for sure. And uh, but yeah, overloaded. We're all overloaded. I mean, but I'm not as overloaded as some of these other guys who play in 40 leagues. I think I'm in to 15, but I do have two children which count for 52 leagues each. So I'm in 104 leagues when you factor in my kids. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, 52 leagues per kid is kind of the equivalent. The other cool ones, let me just read some of this stuff that you guys threw out there. Maybe something I missed that I would think is awesome. Uh, tight end, uh, J-Man1406, I think he asked a question earlier, but – a tight end premium, would you be comfortable trying to stream one of Higby, Jarwin, Goddard, or try to trade and upgrade? I'm fine with that. I love, I mean, I trade Higby just because I think he's a sell high candidate, but I love Jarwin and Goddard, and I think Higby is a sell high. I mean, he's going crazy high. I see him ranked in the top eight tight ends, redraft, and all this shit. Sell Higby. Um, Oh, and I think Goddard's going to be a stud again. He's he's the chalk. So we talk about what we talked about with JT. You know, why is JT so high? It's the same reason that Goddard's high because he's fucking dope. You just watch him; he's great. He's had he did get punched out, which lowered him down. I I had to lower my rankings quite a bit after getting sucker punched. I mean, really, I thought he could have taken that hit and and fucked that guy up, but cold so that's definitely a demerit um you know even though it was a sucker punch you know really supposed to have peripheral vision because you know as he's coming out of his break he needs to see it coming so he didn't see it coming and then he took the took it in the choppers and was starched so i thought that was really bad um guy's gonna have his head on a swivel you know so hey live and learn um what else that's a good one girls handcuff you're most set on buying out of the following factors rb1's injury risk and history rb1's durability handcuff ceiling and floor and the opportunity to take over i don't buy handcuffs i buy guys backs who i think are as good or better than starters in the nfl that's the best way to go because here's what happens when you have a guy that is you know oh, where's a good one don't even name a name, but let's just say you have a shitty handcuff. When I say shitty, I just mean you think he's the handcuff, right? He's the handcuff. The lead back gets hurt, and then that team trades for Marlon Mack. You didn't have a fucking handcuff. You had just a guy. You had a guy. So when you have a guy, you still have a guy. At the end of the day, they're going to replace him. Oh. I'd rather have Marlon Mack than the agile guy, whoever the guy is, right? So, you know, without naming names, right? Um, so, so that's really what it comes down to. If you're, if you're looking to see in Dynasty, you know, I mean, maybe in redraft, you know, you look at it, Alexander Madison as a guy, and you know, I think he'd be the lead back, although Boone is 
also very good. I think it could be more of a 60-40-50-50 split than others do. So I don't know if he instantly walks in and is an RB1. I'm dubious about that. So I'm always dubious. Um, you know, JJ Zacharyson did a lot of good work on uh, handcuffs and 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 some 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 numbers that led you to know that it's not a very good idea to handcuff yourself. Um, that was an hour. I could probably someone's got some more you know good questions. You can drop them in there. I'd ask a couple more, but um, see what's going on. See what just came up here. Thanks for yeah, absolutely, guys. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure. We were just talking to myself, although I do it all the time. You know, I'm I'm married with kids, so I just sit in the other room and fucking fool myself uh, all day long. So let's see. I'll fucking say something. Hold up. Let's oh, mention the dynasty rankings. I mean, that's all there. Popping it. Those are the guys got a couple links there in the Discord. Definitely check them out. Um. Oh man, <laughs> is uh, is Gasecki the man this year? He's the man to push off a bridge if you're if you're right on there. You know, just shove him over. I mean, come on, Gasecki is a bad football player with a lot of physical traits, and so we've seen that before. I'd definitely be fading Gasecki, um, but uh, he's a real nice guy. You know, his hairline is also a big problem for me. So you got to watch out. I mean, he's 22. He's got the hairline, a lot of steroids, a lot of things have been going on there potentially. Um, so you got to be careful. Um, but thank you. Um, and I think Space Goes Force asked if I'm available to DM or something like that, and then he deleted it. He's fucking with me a, a bit. But thank you, guys. Oh. Um. Thanks for coming out. Hopefully it sounded good. Hopefully it looked good. Hopefully um, I gave you something that you were looking for uh, and, and not just a bunch of bullshit. Um, I think I'm good at both, so I'm not sure which one I gave you guys today. But um, it's, it was a lot of fun, actually. It was pretty cool. So um, to y'all and signing off. Thanks, guys.